You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Thursday, March 31st. Today, we look at how VPNs are divided between trying to help Russians stay connected to the global web and steering clear of Putin's messy politics. Before we get into today's top story, remember to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, a seemingly endless supply chain crunch has fueled interest in tech that promises to track problems or predict where new ones might occur. Checking in on Wired Science, astronomers tally the growing carbon footprint of space science. Is there a way to make observatories run greener? And on Wired Security, the DOJ unsealed indictments against four alleged Russian hackers said to have targeted U.S. energy infrastructure for nearly a decade. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com podcasts. Since the start of war in Ukraine on February 24th, Russian authorities have tried to turn their country's internet into an island, severing its ties with the global internet. Almost 400 news websites, 138 finance sites, 93 anti-war sites, and three social media platforms have been blocked, according to Top10VPN.com. As the number of blocked sites grew, huge numbers of Russians turned to VPN companies, which connect users in one country's censored internet to a server in another country where there are less restrictions, as bridges out of Moscow's shrinking internet. After Russia invaded Ukraine, VPN companies say the number of Russian users has spiked. The VPN company Windscribe told Wired that almost a million people from Russia had signed up since the war started, 20 times the usual rate. Another provider called Siphon said its number of daily active users in Russia jumped to more than 1.1 million immediately after Instagram was blocked, before settling at 650,000. But VPN companies have not escaped Russian censorship. The internet regulator Roskomnadzor is reacting very nervously to the rapid growth of the VPN market, says Mikhail Klimarev, executive director of the Internet Protection Society, a Russian digital rights group. Roskomnadzor made more than 12,800 requests for Google to remove URLs under the country's 2017 VPN law between March 13th and March 25th, according to the Lumen database, an archive that documents legal requests for the removal of online content. The database does not detail what the URLs are, and Google did not reply to Wired's request for comment. 
Life is getting more complicated for VPN companies that cater to Russian users. Around 20 VPN services have already been blocked in the country, and the authorities have plans to block more, according to politician Alexander Kainstein, chairman of the Russian Committee on Information Policy, Information Technologies and Communication in the Duma, the country's main legislative body. VPNs get blocked daily. It's not an easy task, but it gets done, he said on March 15th in a live broadcast on the VK social media platform. There has been large-scale disruption of VPN protocols in general over the last two weeks or so, says Michael Hull, co-founder of Siphon, adding that his company has always found a way to continue operating. Typical protocols, technology which VPN companies use to bridge their users to the open internet, such as OpenVPN and other more or less trivial VPN protocols, have been completely blocked. OpenVPN CEO Francis Dinna says he has seen no indications that the company's protocol is blocked, but adds, we have no way of confirming whether this is true at this point. Not only are VPN companies struggling with increased attention from the authorities, but sanctions mean Russian users are struggling to pay for their services. Russians have no way of paying right now for any VPN service because they can't pay using Visa or MasterCard. They can't use Google Play. They can't use Apple Pay, says Yegor Sak, founder of Windscribe, referring to all the companies that have withdrawn their financial services from the country in the past few weeks. Sanctions also mean Windscribe has not been able to find a way of paying its Russian hosting companies, Sok adds. But the war in Ukraine has also reignited a debate within the VPN industry about whether these companies offer a safe way to dodge Russian internet censorship. The most popular VPNs in Russia are free services, says Simon Migliano, head of research at Top10VPN.com. These VPN services are operated by highly opaque entities. It's very difficult for the average consumer to learn anything about the companies with whom they will be entrusting their data, and some of these companies make great efforts to keep it that way. Finnish company F-Secure told Germany's Der Spiegel newspaper that it stopped offering its VPN product, Freedom, inside Russia in 2017 to avoid creating a false sense of security for users who wanted to avoid government scrutiny. We have very consciously taken the decision to not sell our VPN in Russia, Antero Norkio, F-Secure's VP of Consumer Security, told Wired. The Russian government will not necessarily allow you to provide a proper VPN that is truly safe from the user's perspective. For example, authorities can require access to the VPN service that would subject consumers to state surveillance or block access to web services mandated by the state. F-Secure says it only operates in countries where it can follow local laws, but that law-abiding stance is not echoed by all its competitors. Instead, VPN companies still working in the country say they operate by quietly ignoring the rules. Russia has been wrestling with the growing popularity of VPNs for years. In November 2017, the country introduced the so-called VPN law, which tried to force companies to block restricted websites. VPNs are required to prevent users from accessing any URL listed in Roskomnadzor's Unified Registry of Blocked Websites, which now includes Facebook and the BBC, according to Harold Lee, vice president of ExpressVPN, who says his company does not comply. F-Secure was one company that got spooked, halting sales of its VPN products one month before the law went into effect. For foreign companies that did not pull out, the VPN law was a boost. They became the anti-regime alternative because they could afford to skip the rules. They had no local staff that would face the consequences. None of the most prominent services at present are Russian, says Migliano. Instead, the market now features international companies based in countries like the Seychelles and the British Virgin Islands that are happy to dodge the country's laws to maintain access for Russian users. 
Some Russian companies that tried to comply with the law ended up closing, says Klimarev, of the Internet Protection Society. No one was buying these services. Now the group advises Russians' users only to buy VPN services from foreign companies. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from Wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.